Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Texas A&M is heading back to the big dance for the first time since 2018. But again, for the second straight year, there's a lot of talk about A&M's resume and seating and all that um, that we are certainly going to dive into. Andrew Hattersley here with Carter Carls. And um, Carter, how's how's everything going? Good, man. Uh, Crazy Sunday. Uh, I know a lot of people weren't happy, and uh, we're going to dive into that. But... uh, Wow. I, I, I do love me from Selection Sunday. To me, it I, I just feel like a little kid on those days. It's like Christmas. So, you know, I, I always tell people in March, Merry Christmas, because to me, it's, it's the greatest time of the year. Absolutely love it. So excited for the tournament. It's the best time of the year. And it started last week, obviously, like we talked about on Thursday with the Syracuse buzzer beater to end their season. That ends up being the last game for Jim Beheim coaching Syracuse. And you kind of felt like March was, was getting, was getting going there. And we're going to talk cause your column was certainly, I think put everything really well about, about the gripes um, to catch those up who hadn't seen it. Texas A&M gets the seven seed in the NCAA tournament and will face Penn state on Thursday night. Tip for that game is eight fifty. Um, now, the intriguing part is Texas is the number two seed in the region, and if A&M were to beat uh, Penn State and Texas advances with their game, that would set up a second-round game between Texas A&M and Texas, which would certainly draw a lot of eyeballs, a lot of conversation. Um, and so uh, we're, we'll certainly talk about about all of that. Um, but Carter, A&M... Makes another run in the S- in the SEC tournament, gets to the finals again, faces Alabama, and just came up a little bit short. Look, Alabama was clicking on all cylinders, and you know they're the number one overall seed in the tournament, and and they really showed it on Sunday F- from an A and M perspective. I think you know another successful tournament, beat Arkansas, beat Vanderbilt, and you know just came up a little bit short. Yeah, it was definitely a different feeling than last year where, you know, last year there was so much anxiety with every game. Uh, with A&M at this point, like they'd hit, they hit gravy. Like, what do you call it? It's gravy once it's, it's amazing and, yeah. you know, nothing can ruin it. They hit the gravy point, like, probably mid-February, late February. So, at that point, everything that they did, well, you thought it would help them. It ultimately – did nothing, and I, I guess the committee just didn't really watch the conference tournaments. But uh, for the most part, uh, I felt like AM went there and, and kind of did uh, what they were expected to do, but it wasn't exactly easy. You, you ran into an Arkansas team. They gave them problems earlier in the season. 
a, a team that has three NBA players on it, maybe more, and mm-hmm. just creates a lot of problems with their length and and their just aggressiveness defensively, their intensity that they bring. They're obviously well co- well coached under Eric Musselman. And then Vanderbilt, um, that to me was the really impressive one because you, know, you go out against this team that's arguably the hot, one of the hottest teams in the country, and uh, you shut them down immediately. Um, this was a really well-coached team that figured out kind of how to space and, and pace the floor and, and get up a bunch of three-point shots and, and score a lot of points uh, without one of their top forwards, Liam Robbins. And, you know, they they were beating all a bunch of good teams. Beat Kentucky twice. I believe they beat Tennessee. So um, ended up, uh, you know, beating them by double digits. And then that Bama game, I, I just felt like Bama, you've got to play your best game against them before you get ugly in a hurry. A&M was far from that, their first half. And to me, it was almost impressive that they were still in the game with 10 minutes left yeah. because – they played awful. I mean, they first half was one of the worst halves they've had offensively all year. Size probably offered. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, you know, it ended up going south for them once Julius Marble got in foul trouble, Wade Taylor got in foul trouble. They really did a great job with Wade Taylor. And you know, Brandon Miller just had an incredible game. Charles Bediaco also had a great game. Uh, Javon Quinterly. Those three guys really took it to A&M, and uh, they, they really they showed why they're the best team in the country. Uh, but I'm not too worried about what that will do for A&M because you know there's kind of that argument of like is it a good thing to lose? And I, I felt like for A&M, it, it may have been a good thing for them to kind of get punched in the mouth and then get this disappointing news Sunday night. And now it's, I mean, I always am like careful to say, oh, they got extra motivation when it comes to the tournament. Like everyone has motivation. That's idiotic. But you're really pissed off. I mean, I don't know. That that can be a motivator. And and they've got a lot of ammunition pissed off. It's kind of a reminder, you know, just of of the chip on the shoulder that they've been playing with all season. You know, it started during the preseason when – you know, it was kind of time for this team to regroup and 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 get back together and said, "Hey, look, we're going to control what they what we can control and go from there." And that's kind of been the mantra all season long. They go out and beat Tennessee. The goal was, okay, we learned from last year. Clearly, the conference tournament doesn't matter, which is a conversation for another day. We need to have our spot locked up by the time we hit the conference tournament. And they had. They charted out what they needed to do. They went out and beat Alabama. They beat Tennessee. They beat Arkansas, beat Missouri twice, swept Florida, beat Auburn, like just everything that they needed to do the last portion of February. Now they didn't take care of business during the non-conference portion of their play. And that, you know, part of me just thought like I had a bad feeling kind of midway through uh, conference play. Like, you know, with this team, they're just going to like they're the the losses to Wofford and Murray State no matter what they do are going to get kind of held against them and and that's kind of you know what what ended up transpiring they really held those two losses against A&M and 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 having those two quad four losses and what they did in the non-conference you know they the committee just could not look past that and and ended up dropping them i think you had the stat that 
you know, of the 200 brackets, like just about every one of them had them as a five seed or better. And lo and behold, they end up as a seven seed. It's nuts to me. I mean, everyone wants to point out Wofford and Murray State. I totally get it. Those are two terrible losses. But there are metrics that take that in account and yes. take everything else in account. And in the net rankings, which takes everything into account, they were 19. They were higher than eight teams in the net that were seated above them. We're talking three seeds like Kansas State and Xavier. We're talking four seeds like Indiana. Like this isn't just, oh, you know, a couple six seeds were ranked ahead and it was razor thin. It wasn't even close. Like there were there were a lot of uh, teams like that. And the seven seeds that were in the same, you know, obviously the same seed line as them, you had Michigan State at 33. You had uh, uh, Missouri at 42. I'm blanking on the other one that was 41. Uh, but I mean, they were all very dispersed as far as like away from A&M. They, A&M was 19th and these guys were, you know, in the 40s. And, and A&M last year finished 43rd in the net after the conference tournament. They didn't get invited to the tournament. So you, you're thinking these are like fringe tournament teams you're, you're you're thinking but a&m's being mentioned in the same sentence as them doesn't make much sense northwestern is the team that i was blanking on that was at 41 um and then as far as just kind of on the surface level there are a lot of things that just don't make sense like i mentioned missouri a&m beat that team twice one by 18 one by nine on the road um yeah they they also um, uh, finished with four more conference wins than Missouri. They went one round past in the tournament than Missouri. They advanced one more round than them. Um, and just I think if you beat a team like twice or three times, like that that should be taken into account. You shouldn't be mentioned in the same sentence with them, especially if you finished higher than them in the conference standings. Um, Arkansas and Auburn, I mean, they were not very far off from A&M. And those are teams that were barely 500 in conference play. Yeah. Uh, so that stuff doesn't make much sense. Um, How about Tennessee, too? Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee hasn't, Tennessee hasn't played well since the beginning of February, basically. Let's be honest. They were, yeah. they were in the conference race going into February and – have been on a complete slide ever since lost in the quarters to Missouri um, and just haven't been a very good basketball team. And they end up as a four seed. Now they, they came in with a really, they, they had basically the opposite of a and they had, they had a really strong non-conference schedule collected a yeah. ton of big wins in the non-conference kudos to them, but they hadn't played well in the past month and a half. Kentucky didn't play well for a large portion of, SEC slays and they they get bounced in the quarterfinals too and uh, you know I think I think to to look at one angle and not look at the other I mean yeah. basketball teams evolve and this A and M team evolved over the course of the season they're a way different team now than they are than they were in December and and you're gonna figure yourselves out at a certain point it's a long season and that's that's the part to me and and where I think Buzz Williams is going with is where's like, you know, what, what, what is the criteria? Does non-conference matter more than 
conference. Obviously, A&M can, has to, I think, going forward, schedule better in the non-conference. I think that's the biggest thing. If they're going to really learn from this. But like you mentioned yesterday, too, some of that is so hard to predict. You look at Oregon State, yeah. and I mention Oregon State a lot because I think they're a perfect example. When A&M scheduled that two-game, two, that home-and-home home with them two years ago, they were coming off an Elite Eight run. I don't think you can. I don't think you could predict coming off an Elite Eight run that they were going to go zero and eighteen in conference play the next year. I mean, you just can't. You can't predict that. That's that's impossible to predict. And Aiden missed some opportunities during the non-conference for sure. The losses to Wofford and Murray State hurt for sure. But I think his point is okay. Well, what's better, going playing a hard non-conference schedule or going fifteen and three and a league that got eight bids. And I think that's part of where his frustration lies. Yeah. You go down the line. I mean, he scheduled, I think he scheduled last second, the Memphis game on the road. Mm -hmm. That would have been an incredible win for them. Easily quad one. Uh, Oregon state, as you mentioned, Boise state on a neutral site court, they win that game. I believe that's, that's quad one. And then the Myrtle beach invitational, but they can't control the fact that Murray state all of a sudden sucks or that Loyola Chicago all of a sudden sucks, that yeah. Colorado is not that great. Like, some of these things are uncontrollable, and it it's, has so much weight. Like, you think about football. Like, you just schedule UL Monroe and you call it a day. Basketball, you're having to predict if a program will be good, and, and then if they're not, you're screwed. And so – yeah, all these people coming out. Like I saw Jeff Goodman come out. Oh, I love this because of this and that. And I'm like, hey, overall though, they had like the 43rd best strength of schedule. It wasn't like overall. It wasn't awful. It wasn't yeah. like they were Wyoming, who I believe last year was like in the 100s. Yeah. Like this is still a team that has is is in a great conference. They tied for the most bids, and you just think on the surface level, 17 and four in an eight-bid conference should should get you somewhere. Yeah. The fact that it didn't it just sets a weird precedent. And, yeah, I think to your point about what Buzz is saying, you know, I think w- when this happens back-to-back, you think about it a little bit differently, and, and, and we could talk about that. But but just talking about solutions, I think he, he's, he's mentioned, I, I heard him on a show today talk about, like, you know, as long as there was transparency, like, I'd get it. Like, we should have some sort of, like, conference in Dallas where we all meet together and they inform us how you do it. Is it the net? Is it this? Is it that? How do you decide it? The fact that there's no conversation, there's no, this is what it is, he doesn't get that. And I don't think it's realistic for that to ever happen, but I think Mm -hmm. it, it just shows you problem with it and you think about human error and human bias there's always going to be that and so i saw someone on our message board today just say like hey they should just have a computer do this and i I didn't hate it because you know when it was the bcs it it made less sense but with with this i mean it's kind of like okay you could feed it all these different metrics and and it's not saying ooh. A&M Texas in the second round. Let's let's that's yeah. That. Let's spice it's it up. Saying and, that, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's really what it was. Because to me, 
it's no secret. I, I think there are people talking on Twitter saying, are they going to move Texas to a three and A&M at a six to match them up? I don't think anyone ever imagined a seven, two. And, yeah. you know, look at the bracket matrix. The numbers speak for themselves. 200 projections. Only one of them had them as a 17 or, or as a seven seed. 55% had them at, at, as a six seed or better. Um, no, no, sorry. 99.5% had them as a six seed or better. 55% had them as a five seed or better. There were as many three seed projections for A&M as seven seed projections. That shows you how unlikely and improbable a seven seed was for this team. And again, you just, you, you try to compare, okay, well, what are these other seven seeds like? Like Missouri, really? Like, seems was like maybe fifth best in the SEC this year. Like, really? We're going to compare them to them? Yeah. A&M to Missouri. And, and then, um, you know, again, Auburn, Arkansas, they shouldn't be in the same ballpark. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Auburn, I, I was shocked Auburn was in the tournament for a second just because of Frankly, how many yeah, the way they played they the blew. second. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just nuts to me. That's why all these Vanderbilt fans that were like, oh, we should make the tournament. I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening. Like, we thought I didn't think it was going to happen. They... <laughs> and all these network people saying, oh, yeah, they deserve it. I'm like, did y'all pay attention to last year? That doesn't happen. Sorry. It's, it's not going to happen. And so it, it's just, it's, it's funny. I think for Buzz Williams, I know he's talked about it, but what I'd like to see is him just focus on Penn State now. I think it's time to focus on the matchup, you know, and and just get locked in. So no doubt. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about Penn State and that matchup. It's it's a pretty intriguing matchup right after right after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. We talked about it before we went to break. Penn State and Texas A&M squaring off on Thursday night at 8.50 Central um, from Des Moines, Iowa. This Penn State team, it's, it's you know, there's a lot of talk from people about uh, that, that, that Texas matchup in the second round. Let me tell you, Penn State, all the attention, like you said, needs to be on Penn State because they're – they're not an easy first round matchup at all. And, you know, I thought Buzz Williams kind of mentioned it after the, um, after the, the seeds were, uh, after the pairings were announced, kind of a team that plays a little bit similar to, to Vanderbilt in a way they play, they have a lot of sets. They're really good offensively, tough team to prepare for. And it starts with Jalen Pickett, who is their leading scorer via Siena, um, you know, Basically, does it all on the on the glass, assists and leading the team in scoring. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys who is almost older than me. He, he's yeah. been in college for about five years, maybe six. I think he's 23, uh, almost as old as Dexter Dennis. Uh, he, Dexter Dennis is almost my age. Yeah, that he's he's real close. But uh, with um, with Penn State, they they are kind of a nightmare matchup if you're thinking about seven ten. This is a team that could have been as high as a nine or eight seed. They're a ten seed. Uh, they got really hot at the end of their season. They started the season 14-11. Um, then they won, I believe, eight of their last ten. Made it all the way to their Big Ten tournament final and, uh, and barely lost to Purdue uh, in the final game. But uh, shoots the three ball really well. One of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They get up a lot of three-point shots. Um, it's interesting. You can look at it a couple of ways for A&M. You know, A&M, it, it's either really good or really bad, right? Because for A&M, mm-hmm. I think they're really good at getting teams out of what they do well. They, mm-hmm. There have been several teams. I mean, I can even recall the, the first Bama game where Bama was not – I think they started the game 2-19 from three. Like, they just they, – they do not make things easy for opposing offenses. So – that that could be a good thing, or it could be something where Penn State shows up, they hit 14 threes, and it doesn't matter what you did that day. It doesn't matter how good Wade Taylor plays. You're going to lose if you're giving up 14 threes. And so uh, that's a problem. They don't turn over the ball. Again, veteran team that takes care of the ball, great offense, not the best defensively. So, you know, a little bit like Vanderbilt in that regard. Uh, and then the last thing, and I don't know how many people have talked about this, but they don't shoot many free throws. And I, I yeah, they really don't. That, I think they're 349th in the country in free throw makes per game. As we all know, A&M is number one in free throw <laughs> makes per game. So Penn State may be shooting a bunch of threes. What happens if A&M has 30 more free throw attempts? That 30 more, yeah, 30, 25. Like, this is, this is a team that averages like 25 attempts per game, I want to say, and Penn State's maybe half of that. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I'm curious to see how AM style translates to the tournament because you think about all the things that make a team good in the tournament it's guard play. It's leadership, it's defense, it's free throw shooting. And now probably three-point shooting as well. But yeah. A&M's really good in almost all those regards. They can also win in a lot of different ways. The point really being, you know, you always know you're going to get something out of Wade Taylor. Uh, you're typically always going to get something out of Tyrese Radford. It's that third player that seems to change every game. You know, against Arkansas, it was Henry Coleman. Uh, against Vanderbilt, it was Julius Marble for a little bit. Uh, some games, Hayden Hefner might make a couple big plays. Uh, Dexter Dennis, obviously. Um, so, Solomon Washington, too. So, I mean, there, I, I could name a whole bunch of guys that it'll be their moment uh, in a particular game. And so, um I like that aspect of this team. I like how they rebound the ball well as well. It's just going to be a matter of can Penn State make a bunch of threes. 
That's probably what this game's going down to. No doubt. And you look at Penn State, not a great offensive rebounding team, which I think is is weird when you consider how many threes they're gonna take. You get some of those long rebounds and some of those weird some of those weird bounces, but they're not a great offensive rebounding team, which you know, one of the key principles obviously for Buzz Williams and the staff is closing out possessions, and that probably works in AM's favor. And now the interesting part, you mentioned free throw shooting. Penn State kind of Pretty good at not fouling. Pretty good at I think they're they're top one hundred in the country, and not in in free throws allowed per game and fouls per game. But we know A and M can can force it out of anybody. You look at again, Wade Taylor kind of pulls that crafty play, one that sticks out particularly against Arkansas, and, and kind of made me chuckle because him and Anthony Black have gone against each other for years in AAU basketball to just pull that kind of stop and let somebody run into your run into your back and draw the quick foul that way they've been playing each other for years he's definitely that's definitely not the first time he's <laughs> he's seen that move but uh you know Penn State they're they're an interesting team you mentioned a five seniors don't turn the ball over a ton and and shoot threes and and so if you're A&M gotta close out you gotta be able to be sharp in your rotations they can't get into rotation and and leave wide open three-pointers that's maybe the area where they when they have got in trouble that's where it's come from. Got to challenge threes. Got to contest threes. And I look at the front court, and I, I think they, you know, obviously you're gonna the matchup to watch will be. I, I would assume A and M will have Dexter Dennis on Jalen Pickett as much as possible, and and that's gonna be a really fun matchup to watch. And if you're A and M, you know, Anderson Garcia, Henry Coleman, Julius Marble, are they kind of crashing the glass and trying to create extra possessions that way? And and I think that's the way a and is going to look to play. They're going to look to play scrappy. They're going to look to crash the offensive glass. And um, just a really interesting matchup, really interesting team to prepare for. Um, and, you know, I also was kind of thinking about this yesterday. a and structure kind of works perfectly for like an NCAA tournament kind of style. And I, I'm sure they've thought about this in the past, but they really start their two-day prep like – you know, Tuesday morning is when Buzz Williams gets his first familiarity with an opponent and they're watching film and downloading film Monday and and diving into it. And then, you know, practice, they're presenting it to the team and, and going from there. And so this sort of environment where you're learning your opponent four days before kind of feels perfect in that regard. Yeah. He is very structured to the yeah. minute. Uh, I think it, it bodes well for the tournament. Um, you know, who else shoots a lot of threes? Colgate. Colgate, yeah. Don't sleep on the Raiders. The, the Colgate Raiders shoot threes like nobody's business. I don't think they're going to be Texas or anything, but could be an interesting game maybe in the first half. And um, Man, as much as A&M fans have a lot to be angry about, totally get it. The idea of meeting Texas in round two, wow. I was there in 2016 when A&M – they beat Green Bay, this terrible team. And, and then I was there. Texas played Northern Iowa that night. And Northern Iowa was classic. Like, it, it was their year where everything aligned. A bunch of seniors, uh, really smart team that just won games in the low-scoring fashion that you see some of those mid-majors do. And they had half-court shot to win the game. And uh, I just 
I never forget like being there and just seeing all the Aggie fans. There's there's part of you, part of them that was so happy because they they just like <laughs> Texas just lost in brutal yeah. fashion, but they were also like, wow, you're gonna have to play Northern Iowa instead of Texas. Like that's that's kind of a snoozer. And then you know, <laughs> and Northern Iowa ends up being one of the greatest college basketball games right. of all time. Uh, so it was just a crazy experience that we came so close to seeing those two longtime rivals meet each other in the second round in Tulsa that year. Didn't happen. But this time, it's really going to be contingent on if A&M can beat Penn State. And if they do, man, that that would just be fun. With Texas coming to the SEC in 2024, it would just be a, a preview of, of what, what could come for sure. And think about just the environment, obviously, playing um, those two games back-to-back, neutral site games. You're going to have, like, Texas A&M fans rooting for Colgate on Thursday night, and you're going to have probably Texas fans staying behind to root for Penn State. And so you're going to have yeah. you're <laughs> gonna have some really interesting kind of – it's going to be really interesting to see how the crowd kind of gets behind one or the other. Can they just relocate the game to Dallas if it's a and Texas? Like, we'll, we'll just tell Des Moines, like, hey, guys, y- y'all are cool. You're Des Moines. We playing this in Dallas. That, that, that's what they got to do. And, I mean, come on. Des Moines, really? Like, yeah. when I saw that, I was kind of like, all right. But, <laughs> but the matchups are really fun and tournament's great. I'll be there. So um, I'll, I'll have live coverage from – you know, Des Moines and, and uh, I believe we get locker room access during the the whole tournament, like when you're covering the team there. So um, we'll be trying to do some cool stuff as far as interviews and um, YouTube stuff and, and things like that. So really excited for you guys to, to see what we got coming on that. No doubt. If you are looking for coverage of the NCAA tournament pro tip, you might want to Head over to Giggum247sports.com. Carter will, like he's mentioned, be on site with a ton of coverage, a ton of articles um, from a whole different angle. And you, and you know, if you're listening to this on Monday, you know, head over to the site on on Monday night, Tuesday morning, and you know, he's gonna kind of be look doing a deep dive on the entire region and kind of previewing everybody that AM could face this weekend. And so, um, highly recommend checking that out. Uh, Carter, safe, safe travels over to Des Moines. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a really fun, really interesting environment with, like we mentioned, Texas A&M fans there, Texas fans there. If you're there and you see Carter, say hi, give him a little hello. Um, he'll be there. And, um, if you're watching this, be sure to like, and share this video. And if you're listening to it on Spotify and iTunes, give us a five-star review and hit subscribe on on both YouTube and, and Spotify to, to follow along and, and make sure you get a notification every time a new video drops. And most importantly, enjoy this week. It's going to be fun. It's the best, one of the best weeks of the year with March Christmas. Madness here, the NCAA tournament, crazy upsets going to happen Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all in between crazy games. So just enjoy it. It's the best time of the year and, and get those brackets in and, and we'll be back next week to, to break everything down and, and talk a little spring practice, which, by the way, it gets underway next week. So uh, we'll certainly be here to, to break all that down. Until then, have a great week, everybody.